0: you have your Bibles, turn to Luke, the 24th chapter. We'll read some verses there momentarily. May I remind everyone that, uh, to uh, dispose of your communion cup in the wastebasket as you leave and to leave your songbook in the pew so it can be wiped down before the next service. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the events that led up to the crucifixion of Jesus we seen Jesus in the garden and His prayer and how His disciples slept. We looked at the failures of three individuals, Pilate, Judas, and Peter. And last Sunday, we looked at the crucifixion based upon the account that is found in Mark the 15th chapter. And we pointed out some ironic events that had taken place or things that were interesting that were kind of exposed on that day. Besides the fact that Jesus died. But in Mark, the 15th chapter, verse 37, it says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. As we left him last Sunday at the close of the sermon, we talked about Jesus was dead. That he had literally died on the cross. That the Son of God had died. I stress that because I know that there are people, and I even have heard church members, who will say that Jesus perhaps was in a coma or that He was in some kind of deep sleep and that when He was laid in the tomb, that eventually He awakened and was able to come out of that tomb. The Bible plainly tells us that Jesus was dead. He died. Every Gospel writer records that event. As we've seen in Mark chapter 15, verse 37, it says, And he gave up the ghost. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. In Luke the 23rd chapter and verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having thus said thus, he gave up the ghost. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, When Jesus was therefore received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So all through all four writers of the gospel, the first four gospels or the first four books of the New Testament, all state that he gave up the ghost. And that's kind of a nice way of saying that he died. He was dead, literally dead as he hung there at the end of, of the crucifixion. In John chapter 19 in verse 32, it says, "And when the soldiers then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Here we have not only the recordings of the gospel who say that he gave up the ghost, but here we see that the soldiers who came to, to hasten death by breaking their legs, which, you know, crucifixion seems pretty cruel in and of itself, but to break their legs to try to make it faster, they come to Jesus and they realize that he's dead. Now, I don't know how many crucifixions that they had witnessed. But it was enough to know that when they looked at Jesus, they could see that He was dead. And so one of the soldiers pierced his side and out flowed blood and water. So there's no doubt that Jesus was dead. He was not in a coma or some deep sleep or some vegetative state so that He could wake up earlier. He was dead. He had died for our sins; the Son of God was dead. In Luke chapter twenty-three and verse fifty, it says, "Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counsellor, and he was a good man and just; the same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God." This man went into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. So the Son of God who had died on this cross is taken down from the cross and he's placed in a borrowed tomb. Why didn't they anoint the body with all the spices that they were going to do so with later? As as I mentioned last Sunday, then it appears that they were kind of in a hurry. That they wanted this done because they knew that the Sabbath was coming and the Passover was coming. It was a high day. And so they wanted all these events to be done with so that they could go and do what they needed to do to worship on those days. No doubt, Jesus is dead. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66, we can find where the chief priest went to Pilate and said he wanted the tomb sealed and guards placed to watch and That's what he got. No doubt Jesus was dead. The priest were rid of the one who spoke with such authority. You might remember after the Sermon on the Mount, they were amazed that Jesus spoke with such authority. No one had done that before like Jesus did. But they thought that they were rid of Him. The Pharisees, they were rid of Him, whose life had been revealed by their sin. Jesus revealed their sin. You might remember on one occasion... That He said that they were a generation of vipers. That He said they were white as sepulchers. He called them uh, hypocrites. They thought that Jesus was done. They didn't have to worry about Him anymore. And then you have the authorities who had to deal with the people. Because the people they were afraid there was going to be a turmoil, that there was going to be a riot, there was going to be a problem, and so now Jesus is gone. So even the authorities can rest. There, you know, Jesus is out of out of the way now. He's dead. And then you have Peter, who was boastful before the betrayal, but now Peter's broken. Now let's look at Luke chapter twenty-four. Beginning in verse 1, it says, "...now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments." And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in in Galilee? Saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words. And he returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Here's a picture. As I mentioned, when we read these events that took place, it's easy to picture them in our mind. We can picture Jesus on the cross. We can picture Jesus in the garden and the agony that he's going through. And it's easy to picture these women who are going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Jesus. To actually prepare that body that had died, as you remember, I said they kind of seemed to be in a hurry, so they kind of just put him in the tomb, wrapped him in nice cloth and linen, but just left him there. And they were going to do what undertakers would do, and I would imagine that it would be like any other event. When we go to a cemetery, many times people have tears in their eyes; they're crying. And I would imagine that on this occasion, they were were sad. They were disappointed that Jesus, their friend, someone that they had been following, was dead. It was the first day of the week, which in Revelation is referred to as the Lord's Day. And it was very early in the morning. And from other accounts, we can see that they were concerned about who was going to roll the stone away. But they were going to prepare the body of Jesus. And when they arrived, the stone was rolled away. And they were concerned about what had happened to the body of Jesus. But the, Jesus, but the women were asked a very important question. Why seek the living? Among the dead. He's not here. He's risen. Why seek the living among the dead? And the women remembered, they, they they were reminded of the words, and they remembered the words of Jesus. Listen to what it says in verses six through eight again. He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words. Why seek the living among the dead? They needed to be reminded of what Jesus had said earlier. And when we hear that question, why seek the living among the dead, I think that's a good question for us today. Especially if the loved one that has passed from this life is a Christian, a member of the body of Christ, has done what the Bible says that they need to do in order to be saved. Why seek the living among the dead? I know we go to the cemetery and we put flowers and different uh, ornaments out there uh, because we love that individual. Nothing wrong with that, and I'm not saying anything bad about that. But my point is, that body that's in the ground... It's just a body in the ground that that soul has returned to God. And if they're a Christian, why seek the living among the dead? We go there sometimes and talk to the individual. In Psalms chapter 116, and verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You know, there are some things in our lives that are Precious. But not too many of us would look at death as something that's precious, but in God's sight, the death of His saints, those that are prepared, is something that's precious. And so it should be a day of rejoicing for us if we are faithful to God. In Revelation chapter 14, and verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, "Right, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, save the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. For the Christian, the the faithful child of God, who's heard those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's a day that they rest from all the labor that they've done here on this earth for the Lord. Revelation 20, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we want our name written in that book. You want your name written in that book. And Jesus tells us how to get our name written in that book. You have to obey the Gospel. And we'll talk about that at the end of the lesson. In John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know. And the way, you know. Brethren, there's a place prepared for those that are prepared to meet the Lord. And it's something that we should look forward to. He's not here. Jesus is not here. That's what they said. Don't look for the Savior in a cemetery. He lives. He's risen. In fact, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth. Present tense, he's alive. I am he that liveth and was, past tense, was dead. So Jesus is saying, Yes, I died. I was dead but I'm alive. And then he goes on, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Don't look for Him in a cemetery because He's risen. Now think of that great injunction that was given there uh, to those women. Because those angels, those men uh, in, in shining clothes, which were angels, Said, remember. And that's something that we need to see that's very important. Remember. What were they told to remember? How he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. They needed to be reminded of what Jesus had said. They went to that cemetery thinking that Jesus was going to be laying in that tomb dead. But they needed to be reminded of the words of Jesus when He said that He would rise on the third day. Not only in Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 and 23 did they need to remember, because that's where Jesus said those words, but they needed to remember what Jesus had said on other occasions. In John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou tear it up in three days, or rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. In Matthew chapter twelve and verse forty, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 18, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 2 Ye know that after two days in the feast of the Passover, the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. All of these times that Jesus had pointed out what was going to happen to him. That he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to die on a cross, and that he was going to come forth out of the grave on the third day, and then you can look at all the Old Testament prophecies that concerning Christ. We mentioned one of those in one of our lessons last week, I believe it was Genesis chapter two and verse fifteen. So all the way back to the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a promise of Christ coming to this earth, and you can find different things that was supposed to happen to him that did happen to Him during the crucifixion and the betrayal and Him coming forth out of the grave, they needed to remember. Brethren, how often do we need to remember? How often do you and I need to remember? As Christians, how often do we need to remember the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Sometimes I wonder, do we even think about those things? We just go about doing our daily work, business, whatever. Do we think about that? The spiritual blessings that we can call God our Father, that we can talk to Him in prayer, that we can read His Word, that we can live the Christian life and serve Him. Do we think about the blessings that we have? When we assemble to partake of the Lord's Supper. Do we think about what Jesus did on the cross? Because we're supposed to remember His death, the Bible says, until He comes. That's what Paul tells us. But where is our mind? Do we need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us? Do we remember His death? How often do we remember the promises that we have in Christ? How often do you think of those things? How often do we remember that this world is not our home? That we're just passengers? We're going somewhere else. We're supposed to be looking forward to that place. We're supposed to have our affections set on those things above. But how many of us need to be reminded? How many of us need to remember what Jesus has said to us? I find it. One of the things I found interesting as I was working on this. I, I, it's kind of interesting that the enemies of Jesus remembered what He said. The enemies of Jesus remembered what He had said, what He had taught. Matthew chapter 27, verse 39, And they that passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And when they went to Pilate and asked to seal that tomb and to have that guard placed in front of it, what did did they say? Matthew chapter 27, verse 63. Saying, sirs, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it interesting that his enemies remembered His words, but His followers seemed to forget everything that He said. And isn't that the way we are sometimes? Isn't that the way we are sometimes? The world knows what Jesus said. The world knows what the Bible says. But sometimes we don't trust it. Sometimes we don't believe it. Sometimes we doubt it. Sometimes we don't even remember it. Isn't it ironic that His enemies remembered His words, but His followers forgot? Sometimes it seems all backwards. The world knows what the Bible says, but sometimes as Christians, we got to be reminded of what Jesus said. The women... We returned to tell others. In Luke chapter 24, verses 8 through 11. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words, listen to this, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. They would spent three years with Jesus. But they believed that He didn't come forth out of the grave. On the way to the cemetery that day, I would imagine those women were sad. May have been distraught. May have been discouraged. May have been doubtful. And every step they took basically said this, He is dead. Why else do you go to a cemetery? Because someone is dead. So why did they go to the tomb? because Jesus was dead. And as I said, I would imagine that perhaps just like us today, when we go to the cemetery, there's tears. There's crying. And it wouldn't surprise me on that occasion if there wasn't tears shed on the way to the tomb. They came to anoint the body. To do the work of undertakers. But found that God had undertaken Himself. I would imagine after they heard that he was risen, that he wasn't there, and had been reminded of his words, that when they returned back, they had a little pep in their sip. Because I don't believe, or I can't imagine, that they would walk the same pace. I would imagine their pace was a little faster, not a whole lot faster. I would imagine they were excited about the good news that Jesus was alive. That He wasn't there. What a tremendous difference it makes when you know that He lives. And what a difference it makes in our lives when we realize that Jesus lives. That is what we need to remember. In verse 9 the women reported and told all those things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Can you imagine the excitement that they had when they told them? What a change. They went to be undertakers and they ter- returned as messengers of Christ. They had the good news. I remember last, year, last week, we talked about when He said it was finished, that portion of salvation was done. He had died on the cross. Now He's going to be laid in a tomb. And the completion of that good news is that He rose from the grave. He's alive. When they went to that tomb, their hands were full of spices. When they returned from that tomb, their heart was filled with joy and their mouths was filled with good news. They went to anoint a body, and they returned to announce the blessing of a risen Savior. The greatest message that the world has ever heard. Jesus was dead. He died for our sins. He was laid in the tomb, and He arose victorious on the third day. It was a difficult time for the disciples. They needed to hear that message that the women delivered. Think about Peter, who was broken, disappointed in himself. He needed to hear that message. And you can read where Peter was, even in this account, Peter eventually went to the tomb himself to check it out. He needed to hear that message. The group of disciples who were afraid and discouraged and doubting, they needed to hear that message. And brethren, that gospel message is important. People need to hear that message today. And we need to remember that message. And we need to share that message with people around us. That gospel message is important. Because the Bible tells us that that gospel message is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he arose victorious on the third day, according to the Scripture. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 chapter verses 1 through 4 tells us. And Peter or Paul was the one that declared that gospel to others. And that gospel is something that is very important. And why is it important? Because Romans chapter 1, verse 16 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That gospel message has the power to save souls. That Gospel message that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave, is the greatest news people can hear. Why? Because Jesus did that to save our soul. And we see the blow that He delivered to Satan. Because we can escape the bondage of sin. And we can have that home in heaven if we're faithful to God. How important is that Gospel? Well, we know it's the power of God into salvation. But Jesus said... In Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if it's not important to preach the gospel, then why did Jesus, Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the grave, why did Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That gospel message is important. Why? Well, let me show you. When you look at Romans chapter six, you can see a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible tells us in those verses that Jesus died to sin, or died for our sins, and that we, if we want to be baptized, we must die to sin. So Jesus died for our sins. He was sinless. It was our sins that put Him on the cross. And so we died to sin. That's what Romans chapter 6 is telling us. That we died to sin. And then Jesus was laid in a tomb, buried in a tomb. We're buried in a tomb of water. Now you say, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't need to do that. The Lord knows my heart, and so that's all that matters. Well, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And so what did they do? We're supposed to go down in the water. And then Jesus rose and we rise up out of that water a new creature. No no magic in the water. It's just simple obedience to what Jesus says we need to do. And we see that practice on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And we could go through various chapters in the book of Acts and we can see that that's what they did. Simon the sorcerer did it. The Ethiopian eunuch did it. The Philippian jailer did it. Lydia did it. They all practiced exactly what the Bible says they needed to do in order to be saved. My question this morning if you're not a Christian, what are you waiting for? Jesus went through all of that for you. And He asked us to obey His will obey that Gospel by believing it and being buried with our Lord in baptism. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And so we must have faith. Where does that faith come from? Is it just something that I believe? Well, the Bible tells us the answer to that question too. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we hear that word. The question is, do we believe it? We can't please him without believing his word. This is the word of God. And so we hear it, we believe it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You hear that gospel message that I died for your sins, that I was buried, and I rose victorious from the grave. What do you do? Well, Jesus says, believe it and be baptized. And so that's what you need to do. You hear, you believe, you turn away from your sin also. That's exactly what they were told on the day of Pentecost. That's exactly what Jesus has told us. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So we have to turn from our sin. We have to confess his name, as he tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And then we need to be buried with our Lord in baptism, to have our sins washed away by the blood of Christ that was shed on that cross. If you're not a Christian, then that's what you need to do. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you're one of those that I've talked about that, well, I need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for me. I don't want to be one of those followers that forget all the things that the Bible says, but maybe become that person. Maybe you've doubted. Remember, this world is not our home. And so this morning, if you need to repent and you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. You have that opportunity to come forward and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.